Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. As we continue from week to week dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic and the racial unrest that has erupted again in our nation, I can't help but think of the words of Thomas Paine at the time of the American Revolution. These are the times that try men's souls. These times are trying our souls. They are testing our faith and our character. I'm committed that the words and life of Jesus Christ, challenging to us as they may be, offer us guidance and hope through such difficult times. You may find yourself challenged by what I have to say. It's been challenging for me to write them. Through humility and the grace of God, it is my hope that through the gospel, we can discern the truth. And the gospel lesson today comes from the 19th chapter of St. Luke. As Jesus was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Now, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these people were silent, the stones would cry out. As he came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if even you had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave within you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. Then he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling things there and said, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. And every day he was teaching in the temple. The chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people kept looking for a way to kill him, but they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were spellbound by what they heard. This is the gospel of our Lord. And a reading from the 32nd chapter of Isaiah. In those days the Spirit from on high will be poured out upon us. Then will the desert become an orchard, and the orchard regarded as a forest. Right will dwell in the desert, and justice abide in the orchard. Justice will bring about peace. Right will produce calm and security. My people will live in a peaceful country, in secure dwellings, and quiet resting places. Here ends the reading. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we heard one of the most well-known stories from the Bible about the life of Jesus. The story of his entry into Jerusalem, where he was greeted with cheering, palm-waving crowds. Now in churches that story is read and sometimes reenacted on Palm Sunday. It's a beloved event where children and adults proceed 
into their sanctuaries, waving store-bought palm branches and singing hallelujahs. What a wonderful day. But these celebrations belie the historical reality behind the story. This is a story of calculated political insurrection in which Jesus and his disciples conspired to encourage the crowds to publicly proclaim Jesus as their king or Messiah. Problem was that the people of Israel owed their allegiance to another ruler, Augustus Caesar of Rome. The crowds welcomed their king riding on a donkey, defying the Roman legions on their war horses that led threatening military displays of power and rule. The Pharisees who were present that day seemed well aware of the peril that they were facing. They asked Jesus to shut the crowds up. They knew that there would certainly be violent reprisals from the Romans if word of this illegitimate coronation got out. Jesus is undeterred. He tells them, if these people were silent, even the stones would cry out. Jesus proceeds to a lookout point over the walled city on the other side of the valley, and he weeps. He laments, O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you had only recognized the things that make for peace. Since the people are blind to what makes for peace, he predicts that the city would be utterly destroyed. Spoiler alert, that's eventually what happened. Finally, in one of the few incidents recorded in all four Gospels, he enters the temple and incites a riot. He kicks over the cages that held the doves that were being sold for people to offer as sacrifices in the temple. He throws over the tables of the money changers who were collecting the temple tax, even from the poor. He fashions a whip out of some cords and drives the money changers out, accusing them of changing God's house of prayer into a den of robbers. Hmm. Insurrection, inciting a riot, destruction of property, and assault. This is not your mother's Palm Sunday story. This is not your Sunday school Jesus. The response to those actions was swift and sure. The Roman rulers and the Jewish leadership put their heads together and had this would-be Messiah, this lawless provocateur, strung up on a cross until he let out his last tortured breath, calling for his father to save him. Jesus' actions on that day were uncharacteristic for the man who preached love and forgiveness above all else. In the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, not blessed are the rabble-rousers. This is the story, then, of a man who has been pushed to the limit and beyond, as revealed by what he says to the Pharisees. Even the stones would cry out if these people kept silent. And he couldn't keep silent. There comes a point when people of conscience are called to action. It is always treacherous to pluck a convenient verse or two out of the Bible to support a particular point of view, especially one that could be construed as a political one. In this case, however, I'm willing to take the risk. 
because the stones are crying out for people to express their outrage and work to bring about justice to redress the murder of George Floyd and a string of similar racially driven murders before him. Followers of Jesus, indeed anyone with a shred of humanity, cannot, should not, and must not remain silent. The birth of our country was born out of the political protest of the Boston Tea Party. Like Jesus run amok in the temple, the American colonists were pushed to their limit by oppressive British rule and taxation, and they resorted to the destruction of private property to get attention of their overlords. Well, they got the attention they desired and found themselves engaged in a bloody revolution. The rest, as they say, is history. Not too many years later, the right and responsibility of protest was enshrined in the First Amendment to the Constitution, which reads, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Americans would soon find cause to exercise the right to protest. In 1849, Henry David Thoreau, refused to pay his taxes in protest of slavery and the Mexican-American War. He was consequently thrown in jail. After he was bailed out by an anonymous patron, he wrote an essay in defense of his actions and the right of others to protest, titled Civil Disobedience. He wrote, I cannot for an instant recognize the political organization as my government which is the slave's government also. All men recognize the right of revolution, that is, the right to refuse allegiance to and resist the government when its tyranny or its inefficiency are great and unendurable. He calls to account the people who recognize injustice but fail to correct it. He says, there are thousands who are, in opinion, opposed to slavery and to the war, who yet in effect do nothing to put an end to them, who esteeming themselves children of Washington and Franklin, sit down with their hands in their pockets and say they know not what to do, and do nothing, who even postpone the question of freedom to the question of free trade and quietly read The prices Current along with the latest advices from Mexico. After dinner, and it may be, fall asleep over them both. What is the price current of an honest man and a patriot today? Today we are faced with the unresolved issues of racial injustice that stem from the same institutionalized slavery that Thoreau protested many years ago. The seemingly endless stream of killings of young black men and women by self-appointed vigilantes and at the hands of legitimate police officers, exposes a systematic racism that refutes the commonly made assertion that we're just dealing with a few bad apples. Racism is not just a law enforcement problem. It extends to issues of economic opportunity, 
disproportionate incarceration of people of color, and many more complex sociological issues, including the disintegration of the family. It's not just the actions of a few malevolent people. It's about the power structures that condone and encourage those reactions. We now must confront the difficult question of whether or not we have reached the threshold in America that requires protest and or civil disobedience. Well, there's a distinction. The right to peaceful, peacefully assemble for the redress of grievances is guaranteed by the First Amendment to the Constitution. Civil disobedience, the willful breaking of the law, is by definition not protected. Civil disobedience is a much more serious matter. Now, my personal choice favors the former, peaceful protest. Peaceful protest can be forceful, urgent, unrelenting, and effective. I would echo the words of Martin Luther King Jr.'s mature attitude toward violent protest. He said, Violence as a way of achieving racial justice is both impractical and immoral. I am not mindful of, unmindful of the fact that violence does often bring about momentary results. Well, King had many detractors in the African-American community who had become impatient with the anodyne appeals for justice and what they increasingly saw as a dream deferred and a dream denied. I am a person of male white privilege. I cannot speak for the victims of racism. Martin Luther King Jr., on the other hand, had that right. He stated the issue of violent protest and rioting in his The Other America speech at Stanford University. He said, I think America must see that riots do not develop out of thin air. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. But in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it that the America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear the plight of the Negro poor and that it has worsened over the last few years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. And so, in a real sense, our nation's summer of riots are caused by our nation's winters of delay. And as long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position of having these recurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Social justice and progress are the absolute guarantors of riot prevention. Ah, justice. That's what Jesus was saying was missing in his lament over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace.
And as Isaiah said in our other reading today, justice will bring about peace. Right will produce calm and security. Justice. Just doing what's right. As a white American, here are a few things that I'm beginning to discern. And I'm just learning, after all my 71 years on earth, the things that I can do to avoid being one of those who Thoreau said, sit down with their hands in their pockets and say that they do not know what to do and do nothing. I can keep racial justice at the forefront of my concerns and not be distracted by defensive or deflective rhetoric and conspiracy theories. I can listen more and talk less to the members of the black community. Now, I'm aware of the irony that I've been talking for about 20 minutes. I will listen to the voices of those whose anguished cries have for too long gone unheard. This is a time for me to hear rather than to be heard. I can let down my defenses when called about my own racist attitudes and behaviors. I can seek with my white brothers and sisters to correct those attitudes in myself and others. I can, when invited, through my action and advocacy, stand beside and behind the members of the black community, sometimes silently. I can listen with compassion and without judging to the fears and the anger of my white family, friends, and associates. I can support law enforcement by praying for their safety and that they have the tools and the skills to do their jobs effectively and justly, justly while exercising compassion and restraint. I can continue to proclaim a gospel based on truth and love that will lead to peace. I'm going to close with Isaiah's hope-filled words. You heard them just a minute ago. One day, the Spirit from on high will be poured out upon us. Then will the desert become an orchard, and the orchard regarded as a forest. Right will dwell in the desert, and justice abide in the orchard. Justice will bring about peace. Right will produce calm and security. My people will live in a peaceful country, in secure dwellings and quiet resting places. Amen. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face keep shining upon you with justice and mercy. And may God look upon you with favor and give you peace.